understand, Thomas. I have the exact same problem with scales. Every time I buy a scale, it's clearly not working. It even it even comes up with that ERR. It's like, what do you mean? This thing is broken. You're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 156. The show that is supposed to have a new opening sometime eventually soon, I've been told. I'm your host, John Congdon. With me, Eric Van Johnson. Hello, my friends. And Tom Rideout. Hello, glad to be here. Hey, your mic is working a lot better now. Yes, it took some We're so happy to have you. (laughs) Starting 15 minutes late because of mic issues. Oh, and... The ever fun Windows update. Yes. <laughs> I think that's one thing I don't miss about Windows is the that forced update. And I'm already I'm already lagging out. I can I, I don't know what's going on with my system. Every time we start the show, I lag out. You are lagging bad, but that's fine. I just won't watch the screen. Yeah, don't don't look at me. Don't look at me. Uh, I'm gonna try not to. You only lag out in so the, in the uh, little dashboard, the OBS dashboard. I see. Skype is not laggy though. Yeah, but the stream is. I, I've gone back and watched the stream, and I'm completely lagged out in the stream. I also noticed that our um, active speaker scene, uh, this one right here, is like super low on volume. Like when we switch over to this, if you're watching the stream. The volume goes way down. I'm not sure why that is, because on OBS we have it turned all the way up. So huh. not sure. Well, not sure how I feel about that right now. Note to self. Don't use that scene. <laughs> it's a convenient thing to have. How's everybody it doing? Is. Hey, I was running the show. How's everyone doing? <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Alright, let's not start with Thomas. He, he wants to bring uh, it down right say, away. Uh, <laughs> that one starts out with, uh, I tell you what, it is fun and challenging to try to understand clients' decisions. That's, I'm just going to leave it there. It, it's not, uh, yeah, I'll stop too. It, it's an art form. I'll just but, say it's an art form to be able to take a client's vision and mold it into code that we appreciate. And we're just feeling feeling some of the, the ups and downs of that journey with uh, with some of our projects. Talking to clients can be hard. It I think that's the hardest part is taking what they want to do and turning it into what they want. Especially when they're not completely clear on what they want. Like, they have an idea. They they know they want something different, but they can't articulate what right. different well, is. When when you listen to them and it's like, that sounds really awesome. I need more details, and then they're not able to give you all the details. And then you get on a meeting with our developers, that person, and then their team, and then their team doesn't fully understand or agree on the the direction it makes it way harder for us so it's like can you guys figure it out first and then bring us in it's like we want to implement what you want but we can't when you don't agree on what you want (laughs) yeah Uh. yeah that's pretty much how my week's been going uh just a lot of a lot of just kind of figuring out we're 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 pretty deep into this greenfield app that uh client had us build and there's a lot of very particular things that they want done and we're just trying to make sure we're able to to do all those things for them and i again i i john gave me some of the best advice this week i i i called him earlier this week and just told him like listen yeah i don't know what to do here you know i don't know how to convey to them the message of we understand it we're going to get it done and John even said to me, one of the, the Marcus, one of the developers we have working on this project, um, a while back came up with the idea of implementing BHAT. Um, uh, what are they called? Scene scenarios? I forget what BHAT calls you, them. You, user, uh, yeah, scenarios or features. Scenarios. Features, yeah. 
and so what we've been doing is they've been putting together these scenarios, which, if you understand BHAT, is almost plain English. Like, it's very easy for a non-developer to read and say, yeah, that makes sense. That's what we're trying to do. Uh, so he, he started implementing these BHAT scenarios, and John said to me, get the requirements, tell them to, you know, write an event for it, because we've been doing this event sauce approach with them where event they source, create these... Yeah. Uh, yeah, storm. Event storm is what we've been calling it with them, where they, they create these events, and then Marcus has been translating it into a BHAT uh, scene scenario. And they've been signing off on it. And basically, that's what John said. He said, stop stressing over it. Tell them to give you an event. Have Marcus create a scenario for it and have them sign off on it. Like, that's perfect. I love that idea. So we've, yeah. we've really have been using these testing not only for the code, but for kind of a agreed upon scope of what it is, the functionality that they're looking for out of this application. And it seems to be working good. I mean, there's still a little bit, we feel like there's still a little bit of a breakdown on our client side as who's communicating what to who, but ultimately, to John's point, we have a list of all these BHAT tests now that they've given their blessing on and said, okay, these are all the scenarios that we're trying to address for this stage of the application. Yeah. I always feel bad because Eric is the one that mainly deals with the client. And when he has a really rough meeting or, you know, comes out of it just kind of frazzled and then he has to bring me in on it. And then we just kind of calm things down. I I feel bad, but I also like being that person, like kind of, kind of a, a, a buffer, you know, I see what you're saying. I think I'm more of a kiss ass. That's the problem. I wouldn't you say are. that. <laughs> no, I would. I totally say it. It's like I, I want to keep the I want to keep the customer happy, and I know the right things to say to do that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that, that's my that's, that's my role. That's why John and I are different though, because I'm like. Screw their money. We don't need their money. We'll 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 make our own product. John's like, no, no, we need their money. We very much need their money. <laughs> oh man! But uh, besides that, uh, you know what? I've been I've been focusing um, pretty well, focusing as much as I can focus on serverless. Uh, been iterating through our our API endpoints, and had a talk with our mobile developer today. And basically made the decision of, hey, this serverless implementation, not only is it working, but is performing better. And we're, I'm still on the phase where it's a full-blown Laravel application. I'm not even using serverless the way it's supposed to be used, where I'm just writing functions that it's using. I have a, I have a full-blown Laravel application out there, not even Lumen, which it occurred to me would probably buy me some performance as well if I had converted it over to Lumen. But irregardless, this Laravel application is out there running, and it's running better on the serverless architecture than the EC2 instance um, once it's once it's spun up. So again, there's if you understand serverless, uh, the initial hit, if there hasn't been a hit to it in a long time, everything shuts down. The initial hit spins everything up, so there is a spin-up time. But once it's spun up, as long as the application is being used, the response times are very fast, and very happy with it. I'm using I'm using the Lambda services on AWS as well as DynoDB, so I'm not even using a relational database. Uh, there is a database component to this, a very small database component, and I I'm just using DynoDB for it. And there was a Laravel um, DynoDB uh, right. Was it Laravel specific? Yeah, package. Yeah, I think there was a package specific for Laravel, and I implemented that. Yeah, I absolutely it was specific for Laravel because it just tied right into the models and Eloquent. So the way I interact with the DynoDB is, you know, I use the same Eloquent commands I would use for MySQL, 
and it's working wonderfully. I, I'm very happy with it. Uh, I still want to get to the point where, you know, maybe I am stripping out the, the framework and doing either uh, vanilla PHP or, you know, maybe le even leveraging another language. But for the most part, we're very happy with what we're seeing. Awesome. I can't wait to, to learn more about that and, and take a look at it. Yeah, I, yeah. I listened to the uh, PHP Arc podcast and enjoyed the serverless stuff. I need to get. I need to listen just, to the just, second one. Not not to stop the conversation too abruptly. PHP Arch, just like March. PHP Arch. Arc. We've been corrected on that numerous. No, no Arc. Arch. Arc. It's either Architect PHP Architect Arc. or it's PHP Arch. Right. Arc. Arch. <laughs> I don't. I don't it's hear the difference. Like Keep going. <laughs> Pain in the ass. I'm sorry, Oscar. Oscar, give us the word. Tom is off the show for a, oh, a bit. Oh, come on. <laughs> we'll kick him off the show. We. I mean, honestly, we'll we'll probably just kick him off, and if we hear from Oscar, we'll put you back on. How's that? <laughs> Preemptive. That's the norm. <laughs> oh my. But yes, I, I'm enjoying. I mean, I'm not sure of the of the cost benefits yet. I mean, obviously we haven't been running it that that long. I'm kind of curious what that looks like. But I, I'm actually getting very comfortable with the idea of just spinning up Laravel apps and deploying them to Lambda at this point. I mean, these small little services. Um, yeah, I'm not having an issue with it. Awesome. Have Have either of you guys done? I'm moving on. By the way. Have, have yeah. it, either of you guys worked with uh, CSRF much? Uh, yeah. And have you? Do you have a lot of issues around the implementation? Implementation of blocking CSRF. Yeah. No, it's pretty easy. I well, I know it's easy, but I've been in CSRF hell for the past week. I was in jQuery hell before that. And then last week started down CSRF hell, and is this in Laravel? No, no. No, it's... because when you use a framework, you don't have right. To worry you don't have to worry in the slightest things. bit. I'm just putting that just putting that out there. It just does it yeah. for you. Okay. Yeah. Well, I understand it does it. Okay, stop. Frame, Both of you. Framework. Just check out for the framework. Out, out of curiosity, I, I haven't looked at Laravel CSRF code. Do they generate a token per page, or do they generate a token per session? Uh, per page. And do per, either of you know? Per, per, per request. Per request, yeah. Uh, no, per submit, I believe. What's the Oh, no, I guess the that isn't it between... either. It's per request. I'd have to look into that. It's, I believe every time you request a CSRF token, it generates a new one. And the and that so every form time a form, only... every time a, every time a form is generated, yeah, right. You you have to put it in there, right? Well, it's sometimes okay. there's you can actually put a CSRF token in the headers, so you can have a CSRF cookie, which I believe Laravel mm. supports as well now. So it's just every page okay. view gets a different CSRF cookie. So my issue, because. I've implemented this three different ways over the past two years, and we finally put it into production yesterday. Or it's been in production in a monitoring mode, so we could see how many requests would be blocked because of the CSRF tokens. And when we first did it, it was just astronomical. Like, no, this won't work. And I know that Laravel's version is very, very flexible. Yeah, but okay. he's not using well, Laravel. So. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll ignore that for now. I'm just going to explain my issues. And so I was trying per page, and I was trying to store that so that that it would remember on the different pages what your token was at that time. So when you submitted the form, it would be used. And then I said, I scrapped that, and I went with a session base. So you get a CSRF token when you start a session, and that's the one that gets used. The reason being... I see lots of users opening multiple tabs or mm -hmm. windows and having issues submitting forms. It got so bad with 
trying to figure out why this was breaking that I prepended the session ID with the token to try and figure out what the hell was going on. And I came in the next day after implementing it and saw what requests were being blocked. People would leave their windows open all night, use another window to log in, and then submit a form on that first window. So the, no. the token was out of date. Yeah. That's the only explanation because their token didn't have the session ID prepended to it. So my oh. assumption is users leave multiple windows open to whatever their workflow is, and they're submitting forms on multiple multiple tabs, multiple windows. And it is just, it was a nightmare. And I, I mean, I finally got probably 95% of it cleaned up. And the ones that are, have been left are the ones that seem to be working this way, where it's just being open, left open, session is expiring or uh, being left open all night. Again, session expiring. Such a pain. Yeah, that's, I mean, for me, the. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Do you know when you're, when you are blocking a page because of a CSRF token mismatch? Uh, the only place we worry about that is in the administrative section. We don't really have user input anywhere else on our site. Oh, well, um, that's nice. So as the admin, you know, I see all the time where a CSRF token gets lost or uh, I've let my session time out. And when I hit submit on the form, it works. Now, I think Laravel uses some kind of persistent CSRF token so that even if you lose your session, if you log in on a different tab, that token is still valid. Well, you're also using cookie-based sessions, so that's a little a little more doable. I'd have to look further into how Laravel does it because I've, I've seen it be more flexible than not. Um, getting CSRF errors is pretty uncommon for me, even when I sort of intentionally screw with the system. Yeah. I, I put it into basically a monitor mode because every time there is a mismatch, I'm logging it. And uh, we just commented out the, the error page, basically. So up until at some point in the past couple of days, I was just watching the logs and it was just, you know, constantly getting hit. But finally had to turn it on because we need to pass some security tests for Salesforce. Yeah. How, how did your jQuery upgrade go? Did you get it finished? No. I mean, it's we're, we asked for a, I forget, some sort of extension on it because we, we've proven that we are actively working on it. So got all those various versions up to 112 and that's live and have the 3.4 version on a beta server and waiting for their QA team to go through it. Make sure the site at least functions on what is currently covered in the QA test plan and then deal with failures after that. You know, again, monitor uh, monitor for those failures and try to react to them proactively then instead of reactively. Which the jQuery migrate plugin needs to be needs to have some sort of uh, alerting system built into it because I'm not loading it from a CDN. I basically downloaded it and just patched patched it or hacked it or however you want to look at it uh, right where they do their console log and I'm alerting bug snag so I have a a central place to go look for these errors. That way I can put it in production and. You know, where it's not supposed to be used, <laughs> and and get you know real world usage of the site, and get that data pumped back to me pretty easily. Yep, that's what you been working week. on, Thomas? 
Well, after our discussion the other day, I started playing with Dependabot. <laughs> we had a lot of questions about, you know, what does it do when you have when you have it generate PRs for you? So I went in and had it generate PRs for me. I had uh, multiple issues that were considered medium and high security, and I went in and enabled automatic security fixes. And within a few minutes, it had sent me two pull requests that I just had to click accept on, and it was done. Um, but the nice thing about it was you get a compatibility check in your pull request. So it says, it says this version is 98% compatible with the previous version, the version that you have. Um, oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, and you also get a severity warning. So when it says, I'm patch, you know, this, this pull request was issued because of a high severity issue or a medium severity or low severity issue. Um, so it updated my Axios from uh, 0180 to 0181. Told me, hey, this is a high severity fix and you need to push it out now. It's 98% compatible with the previous version of, uh, of Axios, and here's all the changes. Here's the commit log. Here's the release notes. So it, it really gives you everything you would need in one page to just say, okay, I'm, I approve that. It's good to go. Thank you. Um, I was really pleased with that. It's all for free. That's, that's what's awesome about it. Yeah. Um, so are I, did, you, I did notice are you, it says depend upon preview. So I wonder if they're going to start charging for it. I did not see that. Where do you see that? At least when I log in, I look at install, installed GitHub apps. I see depend about preview. Again, I've never gotten it where it's giving me a PR, so I must still have it set up wrong. Yeah, like I said, uh, we talked about it last week. I, I I feel like when I first set it up, it it was automatically doing my repos. But then I noticed after we were talking last week, I noticed I hadn't gotten a PR from it in a while, and I saw that you then had had to enable the auto PR generation. So I I don't know if that's a change they made or or what happened there, but um. But yeah, there's so you don't you don't ever log into a uh, repo, John, and get that little warning message that says, "Hey, you have out of date dependencies." I haven't seen that now. Hmm. Yeah, maybe they're just so out of date that GitHub doesn't know what to do about it. <laughs> it's just giving up on them. It's like, oh, forget this guy, forget him. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I'm also I'm following some drama with. Uh, the approval of a new uh, a new RFC for PHP 7.4. Oh, really? Which uh, which one is this? Uh, numeric literal separators. Numeric literal separators. Yes. Um, the idea here is that you cannot tell in a string what one zero 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 is. You have to mentally parse it. Right, because they don't allow commas, right? Right. Or what, we use commas. Um, so they're going to allow underscores. Underscores? Uh, the underscore gets stripped out at the lexing phase, so it never hits PHP whatsoever. And... It's just for visual separation of numbers. And it was a 33 to 11 vote to pass. So it, it doesn't have, it doesn't have any, uh, well, yeah, remember they have to have a super majority, right? So right. They have a two thirds vote. So it doesn't actually have any functional uh, implementation. Not, there's nothing functional about it. It's just for you to vis visually look at the, the number and say, okay, that's the number I have. Mm -hmm. 
Huh. And and to be clear here, okay. the, the two-thirds vote, 33 to 11, is one vote off of getting denied. Mm-hmm. So I look at this and I just immediately hate it. Just... Why, why would you hate it? Wait, 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 wait. 33 to 11 is not one vote off. There's uh, only five 44 votes. votes. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you need 20... Seven votes to pass. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, John. It's just math. Gee. Being accurate. Sorry. But the th- one of the things that kills me about this is is the discussion section that says, "Will it be harder to search for numbers if you're searching for a number in your system?" Not if you use regex. And it says, "Well." You know, since the same value can be now written any number of ways, then it should theoretically make it harder to search for numbers. And his argument in the RFC is the same number can already be written in binary, octal, decimal, hexadecimal, or exponential notation. Therefore, this isn't actually a problem. Well, My thought is, fuck you, guy. I don't understand your, your comment either, Thomas. What do you mean it can be written a number of different ways? There's two ways it I mean, it's either the way you have it, the way it's written here, if you're if you're watching the stream, or there's a underscore between these numbers here. And here. No, no, in code you can you can already write numbers in octal, uh, decimal, hexadecimal. Right, but no one's so does there that are, unless there are other... using an octal. Right. No, I agree. That's a stupid no, does. I agree. But my issue here is if I write the number 1000, that's to you, that's a thousand. But context is now important because that could be one underscore zero 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 to represent a thousand, or it could be one underscore or one zero underscore zero zero to represent cents. So that's three ways that I would normally expect the number 1000 that I could search for it. It doesn't uh, matter. Uh, if you know, if you know. Regular expressions, you can search a code base easily enough, stripping the, the underscores. And how often are you searching your code base for numbers? <laughs> uh, in, my system, point, in my system, somewhat frequently. All right, okay. I, I, see what, I see these examples that you're kind of referring to here, Thomas. It's... But, but context is important anyway. I mean, I'm not... I would know... I probably know the context that I'm searching in if I'm searching for a number enough. I'm writing it to be more readable, which I, I'm personally liking because when, I, when I'm trying to look at timeouts that are written in milliseconds, that's a pain in the ass. I, I, don't, I mean, there's, don't disagree, but that's why I write my timeouts in milliseconds as 10 times 1,000. Yeah. There, there again. You're you're introducing another way to write a number. That mm. if I'm looking for ten second timeouts, am I looking for ten times a thousand or ten thousand? I mean, or are you, are you just <laughs> looking for the variable timeout? <laughs> right. I, exactly. I just, so. I just don't. I if you look at these examples, they're they're pr- they get pretty nutty. They start applying them to IP addresses and astronomical units and. And cents versus dollars versus billions. I. It was just it, it's, it's weird, and using underscores is weird too. I agree with that. I don't understand underscores. I, I'm assuming, like you said, it's in the parser. So it's easier than using or figuring out how to do it with a comma. And I don't know. I like it only because of the readability aspect of it i guess c sharp uses underscores i'm the the same way i I, I agree with you john i I like the idea of just being able to look at and say okay this is where this is where the breaks are because i i am always this is exactly what i do i see a number if if you're watching the stream i see a number like this i go one two three highlight one two three one two three i do that all the time I'm annoyed in there that they have credit card as an example. Four numbers underscore four numbers. Who hard codes a credit card number in their code? Well, that that was their example of don't do this. 
<laughs> I hope so. I wasn't really watching or reading. I'm just watching Eric scroll around. Anyway, so we're so we're spending way too much time on this. Well, but I, I just want some clarification. You said this did pass, Thomas. It did pass. It's going to be in seven four. Awesome. And there's a, there's a seven four. I thought that what happened to jumping uh, directly to eight. What? No, seven four was to... always always going to be there. Yeah. Oh, is seven, is seven four the last one then? No. I. With no? with eight. Are you sure? They started the eight fork. On seven three, so the eight fork is in progress, and it will get patches for seven four, seven five, seven six, whatever. It's just that the fork okay. exists, so that that's where uh, they're doing the uh, work on. Oh, I just assumed that they were jumping to it. No, 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 not yet. They're just preparing, taking. I'm assuming taking the deprecated stuff out now, and just well, being and they, they need a place to put the code that's ready for eight, that's not going to be in the seven branch. Um, mm. The JIT stuff, I think, is going in eight and seven four, but it's you going mean, like, in a Simver, Simver is supposed to work? Like the, the new feature, backwards breaking stuff? What? No, 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 no. We're not getting into that. We're not getting... We spent what? the no? whole episode on that last week. <laughs> no, we're happy about it. We're, we're happy. We're very excited uh, about the Laravel UK announcement, so... No, we're definitely not not uh, not harping on that today. Matter of fact, as a matter of fact, Laircon um, US is coming up here in about a month. Um, yeah, it's right about a month now. Uh, the 24th through the 25th in July, and I am going to be in New York City. And not only is it coming up, if you follow me on Twitter, You'll notice that I posted uh, a link today. Um, the Sean, the guy who does uh, Lair Chat, and uh, you know, uh, he uh, he does uh, every year he he does a new Telegram group for LairCon US, and everybody kind of piles in there, and that's where they talk. And he started a little early this. I I, I thought he started a little early this year, but he he started that today, and it's already got like. Uh, 16 people in there and this 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 is a perfect example of why i will never be accepted fully in the laravel community they start this chat about the conference in new york city that's still a month away and they're already trying to organize a jog a laravel jog uh, <laughs> daniel daniel from texas uh, the the uh, Longhorn, uh, one of the guys who runs the Longhorn uh, Abernathy conference. Yeah, he he's already trying to. Get, he already has an Eventbrite thing out there for a Laravel jog. I'm like, see, this is why I don't like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but no, just just I know they did that uh, the last time they were in New York. It was a big deal. Like like it looked like a lot of people did it. I'm like, nope, nope. I told him. I told him in chat today. I'm like, you're gonna have to have some pretty big dogs to chase me because it takes a lot to get me running. Trust me. <laughs> what if What if we put a racquetball racket in your hand with a blue ball and just said, "Go get it," and just have me run after the ball? Yeah, <laughs> yeah the old carrot. Yeah, I'll stick. run. Ba- I'll run backwards in front of you and like, "Come get it! Come get it!" <laughs> you just have to. Yeah, you just have to have the stick come over my head and just hang in front of me, and I'll just swing at the. <laughs> That yeah, we'll do work. that. We'll do that since I won't be there. You can just start reciting yeah. vegan recipes, and I'll chase you down, trying to beat you. Why? <laughs> Why is that? Stop trying to ruin food. <laughs> Stop trying to. Uh, okay, I won't get into it. I I I enjoy having these conversations. So if you want to have a conversation with me, I'm more than willing. I've been talking with Eric a ton about it, but I won't do it on the air. I got, I got a new, I told you guys, I got a new fitness watch and I'm a little Uh concerned because a lot of the time my resting heart rate is 90. That's not good. And I don't think that's, yeah, I don't think that's good. (laughs) Maybe you should see a doctor. I don't know. Yeah, but that's how you get sick. (laughs) Right now I just have like an inaccurate watch. (laughs) 
I don't actually have a heart condition. Right. I just have a washout. I might need to return. Yeah, I go to I, I go a, to a doctor. I walk I have, away with some sort of aortal fibrillation issue. That's that's on I, him. I have that. I understand, Thomas. I have the exact same problem with scales. Every time I buy a scale, it's clearly not working. <laughs> it even it even comes up with that ERR. It's like, what do you mean? <laughs> this thing is broken. <laughs> not measuring me. Oh, you guys are yeah. killing me. I've I, I've been uh, drinking about it because I found that that lowers my heart rate pretty well. <laughs> according according to Google, my my resting heart rate is fifty three. I don't even have my watch on, so I can't even do my. Oh, here I'll measure it. Right now, mine's a hundred. Mine's like seven. That, right? <laughs> that would probably be bad. Eric's died on stream. Have... You open your phone, go to Google Fit, and it will tell you. Oh, really? Well, I don't have my watch on, though. It doesn't, no, it, it, it should be syncing, right? I mean, my watch isn't even here. Will it no. tell me my previous day? In Google You should Google have Fit, a heart rate sensor be on your phone, too. Well, right now is not a good time to get your resting heart rate. You've been talking to us. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. He's very frustrated right now. <laughs> You guys don't frustrate me. Trust me. I have, I have, I have uh, a, a very no clear frustration. What is that? Uh, thinkgeek.com. Gone. Ooh. Can you believe it? I was. I even had that one queued up for you. You, you caught me off guard. Where'd that go? I put it. Oh, I put it on there. next discussion points here. Yeah. This is the epitome of. An idiotic move by a corporation. Uh, GameStop. I don't understand it either. Yeah. GameStop, which at this point has lost ninety-four percent of its stock value since its peak in the late nineties, has decided that their failing brand is better off supported by a killing a successful brand <laughs> than. <laughs> By maintaining the successful brand and letting the dying brand go away, I I can't or do exactly what they're doing, but do it the other direction. Right, I can't exactly. fathom. <laughs> I cannot fathom what they are thinking. Investing the the opposite direction, uh, killing a successful brand to bail out a dying brand. They they've literally. Done the only thing they could do to kill both brands. <laughs> it, it is. I, I, I don't think it's that bad. I think, I think people that want this stuff that think Geek offers will find it on GameStop. It just doesn't make sense. As the thing as a about branding. the thing about Think Geek was that you could find the stuff on Amazon, and it was twenty percent cheaper on Amazon. But people liked the Think Geek brand. They were willing to shop there because it collected everything in a place where they could just look it over every couple of weeks and see something cool. But by rolling, what they're doing, we didn't, we didn't say what they're doing is they're closing the Think Geek online brand and they're moving everything into the Think Geek tab on the GameStop website. Which I didn't realize GameStop had bought. And I don't want to brag. But you're looking at a uh, Think Geek model right here. It's a modeling for Think Geek. So, okay, so that, that there might be that. multiple reasons they're closing the storefront. <laughs> <laughs> However, we we finally got to the bottom of it. I just I I cannot understand what person thinks that destroying a successful brand to crutch a failing brand is a good idea. And that that number, by the way, is accurate. Since 1999. GameStop has lost 93% of its stock values, and since 2000, I believe, 8, it's lost 70% of its stock value. I mean, it's... That's crazy. They, they are a store that, that specializes in selling and reselling games, which are now a vast majority at digital medium. So that it's a store that no longer has any reason to exist, and everyone already hated them. I 
It really is. It really is an unbelievable. You're going to rant about this for a while, aren't Absolutely, you? <laughs> because now if you've if you've gone into a GameStop physical store lately, it looks like it should be a Think Geek store because they've got thousands of the Funko Pops. They have very few games at GameStop. They have uh, shot glasses with Mario characters and and stuffed animals, and then some hardware, some like console hardware. But they're not keeping up with the times. They don't know what they're doing. And this is just a death blow for everything that made them revenue already. I can't, I just can't understand it. Okay. Okay, Thomas. Moving on. Moving on. Um, We're moving on to... Oh, you want to hear something weird? Oh man, this is weird, and, and I don't even know how to approach the conversation. I'm kind of, I'm kind of stuck in this loop. It's like here I am. I think, I think I'm just hanging out with my friends here. You know, it's just like the three of us having a conversation. Other people are listening. Found out, and oh, one yeah. of those people I discovered is my wife. <laughs> oh no! My wife says, oh, oh no! Oh, oh yes! Oh yeah! My wife started saying things to me. I'm like, that's weird. How'd she know about that? And I uh, come to find out she's she's been catching up on the PHP Ugly podcast. Oh, no. She, she, I'm like... I'm we like, need to find that one episode listen? and scrub it from the records then. <laughs> no, she's listened to a few. I'm like, why do you listen to this? And Like, how does this even keep you entertained? She was... I, I find you guys funny. Like I just like listening to you guys talk. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's been a that's been a topic of conversation in our house, and uh, that was uh, that was interesting. To it's like you know I've been going to the strip club with my buddies, and I I found out my wife's been bussing tables. I'm like, wait, what? You've you've been here the whole time? Jesus, that is terrible news. That's- I think it's awesome that she's taking an interest in doing that. Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, Tom, speaking of my wife and the fact that she may be listening to, to us as we speak, how do you like in Colorado? Because my wife is looking for a new state to move to. It's fantastic. No, it's right, not. Don't lie. Stop. It's, are it, you enjoying it? It is oh. way too hot right now. See? Ocean Beach. Perfect. I, hey, I'm with you, Jen. Well, right near the water, say, nice breeze. Don't say too hot, Thomas, because where I thought it was out of the running, apparently Texas is now back in heavy in the running of uh, consideration. So we've been uh, looking at a lot of uh, Texas property lately, Fort, uh, Fort Worth and even as, as south as Austin. Ew. Yeah, <laughs> so, so Colorado and... Uh, it's all kind of the same landscape, kind of, you know, flat. Well, Colorado's got mountains, I guess. But I don't know, man. I'm with John. Just move me closer to the coast, and I'm I'm good. But the wife, you know, she's she's looking she's looking to move. I love she's it. Ready for a change. But then yeah. then you can't be Diego Dev. Then it's it's Code Dev. <laughs> Well, we told you one of one of our f- first like you know interviews we went to as Diego Dev. One of the first questions that was asked was, "Okay, which one of you is Diego?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can move here, but you'll have to change your name then. No, we're not changing your name. Company no, you no, your you name. have to change your name from Eric to Diego. Yeah, Diego which Eric is what his wife calls Diego his wife calls him that anyway. Diego Van Johnson <laughs> sounds like you should be in the Dora Explorer movie. Uh, that's what I should name my dog. I should name my dog Diego. And then when you actually have, you can actually be the mascot. Jeez. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Move to I, I, I'm, I'm down. I'm down to move to another country. I want to move to Australia or, or, or somewhere. Move Why not? Why not Hawaii? Texas isn't hot enough. Has, is Hawaii even in the running? My brother just moved to Hawaii. I, I, I think. I think Hawaii is an acceptable, uh, acceptable place to go. Yeah, you're still, uh, still in the U.S. at least. 
Can we talk about the, but, the uh, PHP framework trends? Sure. Yes. Yes, because Eric moving is depressing me. <laughs> Let's talk about the PHP. I actually have that one queued up. PHP framework trends. Can I say that this thing do doesn't make sense? About? What doesn't make sense? Were you surprised with uh, with the uh, well? First thing. Do you see this monthly average for for Symphony? Yeah, but that's because I mean, it, when you install Laravel, you download the Symphony package. Well, no. The, so no, this the, document explicitly the, says that uh, oh, that inclusion as a dependency Laravel. doesn't count. Gotcha. Right. And who who knew Slim was still being used so much out? I mean, I guess it's not right because this is just the highs and lows of what they've been trending. So it's up sixteen percent. But it's still the monthly average is nowhere compared to the rest of the framework. But see, if you There's if a... you click on Symphony here, mm -hmm. and it it'll go down to to how it broke down the packages. So it it says, you know, two hundred million or something, but it's really counting each Symphony package, not the framework. So, you'll... so just right. so you know, there is a little space in there where the underscore would be. And that's two million, not two hundred million. Okay, I'm just, sorry. Just saying. Maybe if it was underscores, <laughs> that would have worked yeah. better for me. One, two, three, one, two, three. There you go. <laughs> they say that their yearly total is six hundred and twenty-five <laughs> million. Good one, right yeah. But that's all the symphony packages. That's not the symphony framework. And symphony is all packages. Like Right. So if you go down to where it says framework bundle, that's six million total this year. Question for you: How do you have a negative five million <laughs> yearly total downloads? Where do you see that? At the very bottom, the polyfill total trend last oh. year, last month total last year, negative five million. That means that means five million people uploaded it back to the server. <laughs> it's like here, I don't need this. Take it back. Yes, yeah, it, that's that's five million uh, database misses where it was deleted, and then five million tried to download it, but it wasn't even there. <laughs> that's funny. So, so yeah, how, I, is how how's Doctrine considered a framework, though? I always thought that was a like a package. It's a database framework, isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I've actually uh, been using that lately, and and liking it a lot. Okay, I said really? using it. We're not we're not using it in production yet. It's available. Been doing a lot of exercises for, so the team can get their heads around doctrine. Mm -hmm. You do them with annotations. Yeah. Ugh. Eh, whatever. I annotations are fine. What are you liking about it, Joe? Uh, basically, a lot of the things that you like in Eloquent—the the collections, the uh, the relationships between entities, the separation of getting. Right now, this code base is so database dependent, and there's no qualms about newing up objects everywhere or getting data data out of the database. So you could have you know, many different objects requesting, let's just say a user object, for example, the same user object, and you'll get two or three versions or, you know, two or three objects mm -hmm. that, you know, you could update in one, but not the other. And now they're out of sync and you could mess up your data very easily. So the fact that the doctrine entity manager takes care of all that for you, you get one version throughout your, your code makes things a lot nicer. So it's a step in the right direction for for this project. And, and you know, we talked about the annotations a little bit, but is it like the more you're working with it? So, so this is the thing with Eloquent. It's like the more I work, I mean, when I first started working with it, everything just made sense. Like, Oh yeah, of course. That's how I, that's how I would ask for that data. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that, do you get that same feeling with with doc, doctrine? Yeah, 
the fact that you can ask for uh, data via a relationship and it gets it automatically for you. Uh, one of the biggest issues right now is uh, the decision 15 years ago was every table had an ID column based on table name underscore ID. So your user is user underscore ID. So now being basically starting from scratch using doctrine, we can now standardize and say, no, we're going to call it the ID, the ID field in the entity. And doctrine knows enough to put that data in the user underscore ID column. Nice. So, so yeah. things like that. Yeah, we have a, I mean, as you know, uh, you're very well aware of, John, we actually have a developer uh, at, in Diego Dev who's just really big in Docker and, and trying to, you know, hint around to us deploying it. And because there is a, there are packages for it for Laravel. And, you know, with so many of our, so much of our team being very Laravel centric and very comfortable with Eloquent, it's like, no. You have to give us more of a reason than, hey, let's just do this. He he actually did this month's SDPHP presentation on Symphony, and probably at least fifty percent, if not seventy five percent, of his talk was all about doctrine. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I can imagine that it, a it, lot of a Laravel talk would be about eloquent. Yeah, that's, yeah true. that's true. So, anyway, that was my little aside about doctrine, and I agree this. Uh, this survey or whatever it is doesn't make sense. So it seems fun, it too. seems fundamentally flawed, but it does it does like to imply that Symphony is ten times more popular than Laravel still. Well, no, well, did it really imply that? Well, yearly total you can go from eighty-one million up to six hundred twenty-five million for Symphony, but again, they're looking at total of all those packages. Uh-huh. When you start looking at, uh. The core Symphony core, you're about three million, and I mean, what's Laravel's core? Uh, uh, it should be like Illuminate thing. Framework. Well, that's that's for Eloquent. No, no, Illuminate right. Framework would be for Laravel. Oh. Uh, here's one. This says Framework right here. So it's twenty-two million. So, so they actually have one for Framework. Yeah, so that would be Illuminate Framework or Laravel Framework or Illuminate Framework. I think Illuminate is the yeah. working the the, the working com- name for unreleased branches. I really think that's what Eloquent is. But whatever. But yeah, for yeah. framework it says twenty two million for the year and then for Symphony framework, it says six million. Oh, that was sec- that was security core, not Symphony core. I'm not a very good reader. <laughs> I say, I know Symphony also has just Symphony down here. I wonder if that's the the actual framework. Where did it, where did that go? All the way near the bottom. Again, negative seven percent. <laughs> Nine million. I mean that's a trend, so yeah, from this, negative makes sense it's, there. It's, it's hard to tell what the hell is what from this. All right, then let's sorry I brought it up. It doesn't make sense. Yep, thanks. Apology accepted. So if you if you're in uh, the PHP Ugly Discord, uh, I drop uh, a little heads up that uh, one of the uh, contributors in one of the regular contributors in the PHP Ugly Discord. Syntaxy. Uh, she's really started blogging um, a lot of good articles, and uh, she she just released a uh, another one. This I don't know when she released. Oh, June twentieth. There you go. June twentieth on multiple apps on one server with mod rewrite. Which if you've been if you've administered if you've been administering the server for a while, you you know about this. But I know there are a lot of developers out there that don't understand how this works. I I'm a fan. Of her articles and her writing, uh, I like to. I like when she publishes new stuff. So, I don't have a lot to say about it. I just saw an opportunity to talk about it and <laughs> figure out it out there. If you're listening to this, it'll be in the show notes. There uh, and uh, um, uh, Sherry, um, that'll be uh, six fifty to my uh, Venmo account. Please. 
<laughs> Just before we started recording, I saw something on Twitter. Uh, GitLab.com has dropped MySQL support. What? What does that mean? I, so you talked about that, and I'm like, I don't understand what that means. What does that mean? I, I don't know because I couldn't figure it out. I don't use GitLab currently, but I clicked on the, the link and found some other things interesting. I'm like, what the heck is this MR? And then all of a sudden hit me, oh, merge request. And then I saw it there on the left-hand side of the screen. So they're like, they had to be different. They couldn't call it a pull request. And merge request <laughs> is probably more accurate anyway. But I don't see what this means. I was interested. I was more interested in that they're switching... They only want to support Postgres because they want to use the Postgres advanced features. So I'm assuming if you install GitLab locally, which I believe it is downloadable, right? You can, you don't have to yes. use the hosted. Oh, that's what they're referring to. Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, like an individual install. Yeah, the, I gotcha. Right. So they're. I I've just. I know Postgres people are super like into their database and they they tout how much more powerful Postgres is. But I want to know what the advanced features are that they want to use that are not currently available in MySQL. That would be interesting to find that uh, out as well. Shitty impossible to read syntax is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> that that's why I that's why I would switch. So I found that I just thought it was interesting. I just happened to see it, and uh, all the code still works on MySQL, but they are officially making it known that they aren't supporting it, so that they can start putting in Postgres only code. That doesn't. I'm not. I'm not using GitLab. Good now. for them. Oh, I wonder if one of the advanced features is a feature that would prevent them from like dropping a bunch of tables. Is this, isn't that isn't that why they went down? Didn't aren't they the ones that dropped a like a huge amount of their tables that they had to spend like a couple days re recovering? It sounds familiar, but and it's funny. <laughs> Instagram went down yeah. this week. Don't care. Yep. Apparently, uh, apparently something else went down this week as well. <laughs> hey, it was uh, Google Calendar. It was Father's it, Day. Wasn't it? Oh, Google Calendar. That's what it was. Yeah, Google Calendar went down. Nothing. No. What about Father's Day? I missed it. Uh, Instagram went down. To... What? Because Father's yeah, Day. But... Was that your Father's Day present? Instagram not working? Oh, that'd be nice. I'm trying to follow. I'm, I missed what you meant. So, I'm so confused. Uh, Google got caught stealing uh, lyrics. Did you guys hear lyrics? Yeah, lyrics for songs. No. Uh, the there's a website called Genius, and they decided to put interesting characters randomly in the lyrics to catch if somebody was scraping the site to steal their lyrics and post them on their site. And their lyrics, which in Morse code read red-handed, uh, were found on uh, Google's lyrics engine, uh, Lyric Find. Or no, I'm sorry, Google's, Google's lyrics engine... <laughs> Was getting a feed from Lyric Find that they say violated the terms of agreement. But the the interesting part of the story to me is that the music lyrics themselves don't belong to Genius.com. It's just the transcription work and the site that really makes them money. But when Google can just scrape a site and replace it, that's a huge threat to any company that wants to do information for free for people. Um, or, or information that's monetized via advertising and what have you. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's an interesting 
legal situation now that Google has taken the work from Genius.com, but not the content value itself because it belongs to the artist. So how can a company recoup on this? Are you asking me a question? I, 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 it's I an open-ended it's open ended question. It's open to it's. Oh. I wasn't just talking okay. to you, Eric. <laughs> you might as well have been because I have no opinion. All right, well, I don't just, know. Just throwing about, it out there in case know. someone did. I don't know okay, enough I about got, this stuff. I got something to share with you guys. Uh, check it out. Our YouTube channel. Well, not only have we hit a hundred subscribers, we broke a hundred. We're at we're at subscriber one hundred and one. That's right. Wow. Yeah, the money's that 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 precious YouTube money's gonna be rolling in any minute now. Do we have our <laughs> Do we have our videos monetized? No, no. You need like a thousand to to monetize your <laughs> your video. So we're we're a tenth of the way there. It, it only took us uh, five years to get here. So yeah, we're 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 on, we're on target. We're we have a trajectory of up. That's the important only, thing. Here, only only one thousand five hundred and sixty more episodes to go. <laughs> That's right. No, I mean, I, I thought that was actually kind of cool. I'm like, I, I logged on the other day. I'm like, what's wrong with the, what's wrong with YouTube? Why is it? What's this 100 mean? <laughs> Something's broken. <laughs> I keep in mind, like 12 of them are, are accounts that I have, but that's that's beside the point, you know. This is, well, we, we, we now know that one is your wife as well. So that's true. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do either of you guys know so, what Slack is worth? Twelve point six billion dollars. I hate I company mon uh, companies valuations because it never makes any sense. Yeah, I don't get twenty it. billion dollars. No shit, I was that close. You were close. <laughs> twenty billion. How can it be worth twenty billion dollars? I mean. It doesn't do advertising or anything. So if you tell me it's worth twenty billion dollars, then you're telling me they're making twenty billion dollars a year. That's not no, that's quite not how, how valuations works. work. That's Bullshit. Why I hate valuations that's exactly work. how it works. That your 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 worth is how much you make every year. I don't care about evaluation. Your worth, how much you're worth as a company, is how much you make the previous. So year. do you guys know what a market cap is? Not not well enough to speak on it. So a market cap would be, at its current value, the sum of the total value of shares uh, in, in whole for a company. Uh, so if your share is $10 and you have 1,000 shares total, then you have a $100,000 market cap. Uh, and from my understanding, a valuation like this would be the total shares that are held by the corporation. Wouldn't that be $10,000? Sorry, I was just very confused on yes. the numbers. You've got to use the, the underscore. underscore gets uh -huh. me every time. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so I, from I, what I, I understand about this, about this valuation is that they're using the market cap to, to drum up interesting news articles. And they're saying that the market cap for Slack right now is $20 billion, But in reality... Slack's value should be the number of shares that they privately hold times the current value of the share. Yeah, we've we've purchased companies and we've purchased com into companies and we've got we 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 have give, been given lessons on this. Of well, you have to buy it for at least this much because this is our evaluation. Um, I'm like. But you're not making that much money. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a strange business. I don't get it, but uh, but I do get our Patreon. And if you want to talk about evaluation, let's talk about the evaluation of our Patreons, because we're worth. Let's start a with let's dollars. start with Frank, because I know him the best. Well, I'm just saying we must be worth like a billion dollars because. These people care enough to contribute to the show. And at some point, 
we're going to put that money to, to good use. Uh, well, we did already. We sent the we sent out the gifts to everybody. I think we have actually another round of gifts coming up. I need to uh, look at our Patreon patrons and see who got a gift in the first round and who might be due for stuff. And uh, Thomas, I'll I'm gonna hook you up this time, brother. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally forgot to send you. You still don't have your PHP ugly, uh, your PHP ugly, uh, land. No, so I do I have a wave there, PHP but... sticker, though. Well, there you go. It's, it's almost, it's almost, as almost as it's okay. It was a limited edition run collector's item. That's right. <laughs> Hold on to that. Might be worth something one day. <sighs> uh, but yes, seriously, thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. Yes, Patreon, thank you. thanks for everybody who subscribes to us on YouTube. Even though we don't get revenue from YouTube, we do appreciate appreciate it. Thanks to everybody who listens to the podcast and comes up and says something to us at conferences. I love that. I get that all the time. People come up and say, hey, I listen to you guys. Appreciate, appreciate what you say. But um, thanks. Thanks for being out there. And you know, apparently you know, my, wife, uh, my wife likes listening to us as well. She gets uh, she gets extra gifts, <laughs> but that was that was wrong. Mm-hmm. I said, we were gonna cut, we should cut that out. Uh, nope. <laughs> I mean, you can. Okay, I think uh, I think this is a good spot to, to kind of wrap wrap up this wonderful wonderful show. What do you think? Sounds good to me. That sounds sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Good All episode. Right. Well, that's it. Then that's going to do it for episode 156 of PHP Ugly. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. I'm Tom Rideout. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly.